It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. The credulous boomer rube demo that backs Donald Trump that wants to think that <laughs> Donald Trump's a smart one and they're, oh, y'all, y'all, y'all elitists are dumb. <laughs> you elitists with your geography and your maps and your spelling. <laughs> Even though my your math and your reading, yeah, you're reading your geography, knowing other countries, all those lines on the map. <laughs> Only them elitists know where Ukraine is. But by the way, oh my god! You know what? But, but you know what? Sorry, hold on. You, wait, wait. Can yeah, I tell give you me what? a second. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Sorry. <laughs> that was good. Sorry, Rick. You, that you, was a good one. I needed that. So, so that's just a cut from Don Lemon with Rick Wilson and another pundit talking about Donald Trump voters and Donald Trump. And so they, they just expand on what the, who they think Donald Trump is, who they have no respect for. And they have almost zero respect for the people that support him. So that comes out to, I don't know, 74 million people. And to sit there and mock and, and, and laugh like that got to Ari Fleischer, and he was one of the first chapters, and it's in the first chapter of his brand-new book that is out uh, this week, and it is called Suppression, Deception, Snobbery. There you heard the snobbery and bias. Why the press gets so much wrong and just doesn't care. Ari, uh, welcome back. Congratulations on the book. Thank you, Brian. It's excellent, but I wanted to bring that to light because you, you chronicled this. Did you watch that in real time? Was it brought to your attention? Oh, no. I watched that in real time. To, to write this book, I, just, I watched a lot of CNN, and I was repulsed. And it just stood out at me that this sums everything up. This is the problem that the press cannot understand, that half this country can intellectually, proudly, happily support somebody else named Donald Trump for all his flaws, for all his strengths. That's what half the country thinks, yet the mainstream media looks down their noses and does not understand America because they don't like these people. So I would say this. I can never picture a roundtable mocking Hillary Clinton supporters, but Hillary Clinton also mocked at Fox. Uh, Hillary Clinton also mocked Trump supporters. But I think your point, what I get from the book, is it's not just about Trump. Trump's the most extreme example, but it's Republicans in particular. They just don't understand They don't understand people who were raised to go to church every week. They don't understand people who pray. They don't understand people whose fathers taught them how to hunt and whose grandfathers taught them how to hunt, or people who think that life began at conception and that abortion actually might be murder to some people. Now, you can have disagreements about what right policies are, but I was raised in Bryant Brian, to to respect the other side. They have different opinions, and maybe it's because I was raised in a Democratic family, so I love my, my family. I want to beat them. I want to defeat them at the elections. I will not mock them. Right. I will respect them. Right. Uh, everyone brings something to the table. By the way, that's just where they accuse Republicans of not having tolerance. Uh, the party of white people, men first, women second, only cares about one race and the reason why and where uh, white people are paranoid about losing the power that they've historically had. Where you're seeing nonstop intolerance, which explains their vulnerability. So one of the chapters in my book gets into suppression. I mean, the name suppression, deception, snobbery, and bias is because they deceive people by putting news on the air that's wrong. And then they suppress news. So Madeline Leader worked at the Democratic National Committee. They had an opening at the DNC for a job. And she sent out an email to all her friends saying, we have this opening. I don't want any straight white males to apply. If you know anybody else, send them my way and we have a job. 
Could you imagine, Brian, if somebody at the RNC put out an email for a job opening and said the only people who should apply are straight white males, or we don't want any gay female, uh, gay, gay female blacks to apply? Hell would have broken loose. It would have been front page, lead the networks everywhere. The chairwoman of the RNC would have had to resign. But you know what happened to Madeline Leader's email? Ignored by the New York Times, ignored by the Washington Post, ignored by CBS, CNN, ABC. No one covered it. My book is full of stories like that about intolerant, narrow-minded, bigoted, wrong things that Democrats say and get away with it. But if you're a Republican and you say one syllable wrong, the press will hammer you. And when Trump was making mistakes and the press tried to hammer him, he hit back twice as hard. And they couldn't handle it. And then when he won, they couldn't understand it. And their goal was to take him down. Right. This is a big part of my book. One of the reasons the mainstream media is so off the rails right now. And the president did speak to you for the book. Yeah. And I interviewed President Trump. I'll tell you about that. But one of the reasons things are the way they are is because the press took it upon themselves, the mainstream media, to right the wrong that the people carried out in 2016 by electing Donald Trump. The press was part of the resistance. They never accepted the will of the voters. When people elected Donald Trump, the press should have accepted it and remained neutral, remained objective. But they became activists to fix the republic, to save the republic from the risks that they saw from their warped, democratic, liberal, college-educated point of view that Trump was bad. Now, Trump should be subject to criticism, but from a neutral, objective point of view. And that's what went wrong. You might not like his tweets, but you have to salute the Abraham Accords. You may, uh, you might uh, not, you might not like the way he approached uh, the tax reform, doing a reconciliation. But you have to notice that it did help spur on the economy. And maybe take note that people were calling for a reduction in the corporate rate for about fifteen years, including Barack Obama and uh, George Bush. He got it done. Look, Brad, I regularly supported his policies, defended him on collusion live on the air because collusion allegations from the beginning didn't make sense to me. And I've criticized his behavior. I've criticized his tweets. I will continue to call balls and strikes. But when I watched how the press, the mainstream media, was covering Donald Trump, it fired me up because I just thought they are so bad, so wrong. They are their own worst enemy. So my book blows the whistle on them, and it tells the tale of how bad, wrong, deceiving, suppressive they are. Um, But let me get to President Trump. So I interviewed him for the book, and I was at Mar-a-Lago, and I brought my iPad. And on my iPad, I had loaded – so all I had to do was hit a button – some of the worst, nastiest coverage of him, and I made him watch it. So I started to talk to him about the mainstream media's unfair coverage, and I said, remember when you went to Japan and you were feeding koi fish? And CNN doctored the video, and they cut out Prime Minister Abe of Japan feeding the koi fish by dumping his whole box into the water. They cut that out, and they showed you dumping your whole box in the water and made it look like you don't even know how to feed a koi fish. It was silly. It was frivolous, but it turned into a mini feeding frenzy. So I played it for Trump. He had never seen it before. And his reaction was, I don't understand the press. I did exactly what my host, Prime Minister Abe, did, and they criticized me for it. And so I was able to capture him actually watching how bad the press is and share his reaction with the readers. What else was on the reel? On the reel? Oh, on my – Yeah, on on that you showed him. Um, There were other incidents of terrible press coverage, a lot of it from CNN, a lot of it from the New York Times, some of it dealing with collusion. Uh, And and I would press him. Uh, One of my favorite parts was I said to him, if you had won a second term, do you think things would have been different? So this is 2021. 
Yeah. yeah. This came in 2021 after he was out of office. I said, what would be different in the press? He said, it wouldn't be different. Uh, they haven't learned their lessons and nothing would be different. I also said to him, did you ever think your press coverage would be good? And how would that have changed the way you you served your presidency? And he said during the transition in 2016, he thought he would start to get really fair coverage, really neutral coverage. And then he recognized they're only here to bash me. And I almost got a sense that he would have toned himself down oh, yeah. if things had been fair and neutral to him as opposed to unabashed resistance. If it wasn't for the Russian collusion thing hanging over him to threaten to destroy him, oust him from office, not drive his approval ratings down, drive him out. And knowing that, knowing what we know now, and I read the whole report, knowing what we know now, can you imagine just sitting there every day seeing these stories ricocheting around, not based in fact, and you point out some of them in your book, Ari Fleischer here, uh, Ari, Donald Trump Jr., for example, what did Donald Trump Jr. do? He, uh, they, had, they accused him of emails, being able to get uh, emails. WikiLeaks emails Yeah, WikiLeaks emails ahead of time with this special code that thing he yeah. had. And it starts ricocheting. All, what's, it's not even a story. And the, all of this comes, that becomes a story in every network, every single hour. And then when it turns out not to be the case, and multiple sources end up being two sources and ends up being undisclosed sources, which you, you point out in the book, that gets a new life like never before. Undisclosed sources. No one ever apologizes. No one ever walks it back. They don't spend time you know, uh, riding the ship. CNN led the league and retracted stories. And on the one you're talking about, when Manu But they Raju, fade. They don't necessarily stop. Right? Oh, that, they just hope that nobody paid attention, yeah. which, again, is why I wrote the book, because I paid attention. I'm going to blow my whistle on these people because it's wrong. It hurts our democracy when people cannot watch the news or pick up a paper and say, I believe it. And CNN largely did it to itself. A couple of things, too, to point out. You discovered it, too, when you were when you, uh, with George W. Bush. And you go to Columbia. And you're just curious to see why people seem to be biased. And you ask a question. What were the questions that you asked recently at Columbia? And what was the one? And what was the result? And what was what would you first ask them? This is so in 1998, fun. was it? This is so fun. In 1998, I was on Capitol Hill. Twelve students from Columbia Journalism School came down to the Hill and had other meetings to talk about journalism. And at the end of my talk to them, I, I said to them, how many of you in the 96 election voted for Clinton and how many for Dole? And I said, Clinton first. So 11 hands went up for Bill Clinton voters. So I said, only one of you voted for Bob Dole? And the 12th guy in the room said, no, I voted for Ralph Nader. Wow. So it's 12 nothing. 20... This is the leading journalism school, arguably, in the country. Correct. With the, with the reputation. Very prestigious. It feeds so many of the Washington and New York newsrooms. 22 years later, I'm invaded back to Columbia. I go to their campus in New York City, and I ask the same question. This is in 2021, actually, 2020. Um, but it was after the 2020, March of 2020, because it was right before COVID hit. So I said in the 2016 election, how many of you voted for Hillary Clinton? How many of you voted for Donald Trump? 12 nothing for Hillary. 24 to nothing, Brian, is how Columbia Journalism School is graduating its students. Why isn't it 12 to 12? Why isn't it 24 Republicans and zero Democrats? If you don't think the media would be different, right. if you don't think the New York Times, the Washington Post, ABC would be different, if journalists were different, you don't know how journalism works. And in the perfect world, someone asks you who your favorite team is, yours is the Yankees. But if you're covering Major League Baseball for a national network, you don't want to hear the homerism in the play-by-play. So people listening at home might say, or listening on the road in their car right now, might say, all right, that's true, but that's who they vote for. It doesn't mean they cover with a bias. 
The yeah. book proves the bias. The, but just so on the surface, it doesn't mean necessarily you have to show your colors. Example after example of bias. How about Brian uh, Ross? Uh, you, you had a problem with Brian Ross of ABC yeah. with, the, in, with the Bush administration, let alone with Brian Ross, I believe, got suspended and fired at ABC for what he did to Trump. That's, that's correct. My beef with Brian Ross started in, uh, when I was at the Bush White House when he reported that Saddam Hussein was behind the anthrax attacks. He wasn't. Saddam was not. He had nothing to do with them. I warned ABC. I said, don't air it. It's wrong. Saddam had nothing to do with it. We're the Bush administration that wanted to whack Saddam. No kidding. And I'm here telling them Saddam had nothing to do with anthrax. He aired it anyway, and then later he had to quietly retract it. Um, You you know, it's just journalists let it rip without caring if it's true, if they have an agenda. And that's one of the biggest problems. So one of the other things I did, Brian, that was so fun – I hired an opposition research firm to pull the public voter registration records of the White House press corps. Today. The 49 people who sit in the briefing room today under Joe Biden's presidency, and they found the ratio of registered Democrats to Republicans is 12 to 1. Again, it's like Columbia Journalism School, right? Why isn't it 6 to 6? Why isn't it even? What happens if it was 12 to 1 Republicans covering Biden to one Democrat? The press is warped. The press starts out with an original sin. The people who go into journalism are so cut from the same cloth, the same college-educated, democratic voter, liberal, think-alike, act-alike, tweet-alike cloth. And then they think they represent the breadth and depth of America? No. Ron Fournier is describing being a journalist kind of backed up the premise of your book. And Ron Fournier basically says, if you go to Washington, he goes, how can you change things if you're not a journalist? That's really not your job to change things. If you're a commentator, perhaps, but if you're covering somebody, it's your to expose things by reporting the truth. Ron Fournier was the chief White House correspondent for the Associated Press when I was there. He later went to become the uh, AP bureau chief in Washington. And he tweeted the job of a journalist is to move the needle, to affect change. Well, whose needle, Brian? Yeah. What direction are they moving it? Left, right, center? No, that's not the job of a journalist. A journalist is somewhere that I'm not, and I would like that journalist, please. Tell me what happened. Just tell me the news, and I'll decide where the needle should go. That's the job of the American people. It's not the job of the journalists. We just need the facts and the truth. Another example I think that uh, backs up the premise. By the way, Ari Fleischer's book is is now for sale. It is called Suppression, Deception, Snobbery, and Bias, and Why the Press Gets So Much Wrong and Just Doesn't Care. And this is actually good for the average person listening to us right now who sits there and engages with some Democrats and others, and they say, where's the bias? Well, you actually have, uh, you have example after example. I'll give you an example that you bring up that I forgot about. When Governor Jan Brewer confronts Barack Obama and points at him, they say how disrespectful that is to the presidency of the United States and how dare she lose decorum like that and how inappropriate. And you compare it to Nancy Pelosi standing over Donald Trump, yelling at him and how she was lauded for standing up for women and to do what's right against the mighty male chauvinist president. She pointed her finger at Donald Trump. The picture went viral, and she was praised by the mainstream media. The New York Times, iconic photo. Dana Bash at CNN, iconic photo, a woman standing up to a man. But when, as you point out, Governor Jan Brewer did with her finger unto Trump what Nancy Pelosi did, or Jan Brewer, I'm sorry, governor of Arizona, did to Barack Obama, just as Nancy Pelosi did to Trump, the press slammed 
Governor Brewer praised Nancy Pelosi. It's just another day at the office for the mainstream media. And it's amazing that it is so close, all these elections. It's amazing, right? I mean, you would think if the press really had the power that they think they have, this would not be a 50-50 Senate and a House that's about to flip. Yeah. And a Republican field of about 12 really solid men and women that have a strong case to run for president if, if, or, if or if not, Donald Trump runs. But it's why we're becoming such a polarized, divided country, and I lament that. I want to just pick up one piece of news and say I'm done for the day. I've read it, and I accept it. But what's happening is America's dividing, and Republicans, conservatives, we're winning. And we have more media outlets that tell the story the way we want to hear it than the Democrats do in the way they want to hear it. But if the mainstream media was fair and neutral, Brian, Republicans would be winning everywhere. We'd probably start winning inner cities because people are fed up with crime and their way of life and they should know better and and then blame it on their Democratic mayors. We've got ways to go as a conservative movement, but it's starting. Right. It used to be very interesting. Should we have tax cuts? You know, what should we do on health care? How dare they have a, a universal health care? Those were almost healthy, good old days. Now, it's, what's a man? What's a woman? Uh, <laughs> yeah. How evil are, are our founding fathers? Yeah. They're trying to get at the foundation of everything. And it, it seems ludicrous. And I sense there's a pushback, I hope. And the root of it, and this is in my book, is our press bias has become cultural. It's not ideological. And by that, I mean reporters today are overwhelmingly college-educated Democratic voters. And one of the studies I put into my book is the only group of Americans who think the press understands them are college-educated Democrats. People with a high school degree, the press doesn't understand them. Independents with a college degree or just a high school degree, the press doesn't understand them. Republicans of all stripes. Pick up his book. Uh, Ari Fleisch is out and about. We'll have him back if he'll have us. Suppression, deception, snobbery, and bias. Why the press gets so much wrong and just doesn't care. Ari, thank you. Thank you, Brian. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.